Welcome to this episode of the Network Marketing Heroes Podcast, hosted by 38-year network marketing veteran, author of best-selling books, The Four-Year Career, and Mach 2 with Your Hair on Fire, and world-renowned speaker, Richard Blissbrook. Stay tuned after this episode for an exclusive discount code to get 10% off Richard's tools on blissbusiness.com. Welcome, everybody. We're very honored and excited tonight to be interviewing Dr. Ken Koshman from New York, a retired chiropractor who is a top sales leader in the network marketing company Take Shape for Life, based in Maryland. And uh, Ken and I, uh, well, I don't know, we met, uh, I think, maybe just virtually for a while. Um, and then maybe we finally met last year sometime, but he is, uh, an, has an amazing story, which we'll drill into, and he has an amazing set of statistics, which all of you know that I love statistics, and he's got amazing stats, and he has made an amazing success of geometric progression, so... The theme of Hero Calls is we really dig deep into people's story to learn who they were, how they got connected to network marketing, what it all looked like in the beginning, how they thought about it, how they felt about it, what they went out and did, and how they turned those early numbers into geometric success down the road. So with that, we're going to get into it with Dr. Ken Dr. Ken, are you there? I am, Richard. Can you hear me? Loud and clear, buddy. So awesome. uh, let's let's dive into your story. So tell us, uh, you got some great like health background stuff. You're a very successful chiropractor and investor. Ken, tell us how being a very successful chiropractor and investor actually led you to network marketing. What were you doing? What was going on in your life? And then lead that up to how you got introduced to your network marketing company, who actually introduced you, and what we want to know is how did you know that person or how did you meet that person? And then we want to hear a little bit about what your attitude was when you first heard about it. So, hey, first off, Richard, I am like – beyond honored to even be on this call. Um, I'm a big, big fan of the Hero Calls. I listen to the podcasts in my car, uh, by the pool, you know, on the golf course, everywhere. And I am uh, just really honored uh, and thank you very much for even considering me uh, to be the caliber of the people that you've had on this call. So first off, thanks a lot. Well, you're and welcome, and as we'll see from your numbers, you're, you're uh, quite qualified. All right. Well, thanks. But, hey, you know, I got started in uh, this whole network marketing uh, arena. It was kind of just hit or miss. Like, I, I've never heard of network marketing. You know, I, I don't, didn't know anything about it at all. However, I was a bit of an entrepreneur, um, prior to becoming a chiropractor. I actually owned and operated a telemarketing uh, organization for about a dozen years. And, you know, I, I figure if you could be successful on the telephone, you could 
certainly knock it out of the park in person. So uh, one thing led to another. Um, I wound up uh, becoming a chiropractor. Uh, chiropractic was in my family. I'm a third-generation chiropractor. And I got to a point in my life where uh, the things that I was doing, um, I, like I mentioned, the telemarketing company, I owned some coffee franchises, um, um, billiard rooms, a, a number of different things. So I had my hand in a lot of things, and I was having a lot of fun. Uh, but it all kind of started to get to me, and I decided to get rid of everything, simplify my life, and go into the career of chiropractic. So as a chiropractor, um, I had a, a wonderful, wonderful career. I started my practice from scratch, and again, I went into chiropractic uh, at the age of 35. I went back to college to become a chiropractor. And the amazing thing about that was that I, I was hearing kids I was going to school with saying to me, hey, you're kind of old to get started with this. When we're your age, we're going to be retired. <laughs> so, you know, I, I started off, you know, at a, a little later in life. And as the other businesses that I had, um, I became successful in chiropractic, built a business from scratch. I didn't have one patient. So actually, the first patients I had were the guys that were doing the build-out on my office. <laughs> so as uh, time went on, my practice got busier and busier and busier. And uh, a friend reached out to me and said, hey, I've got something for you that I think could help your patients get healthy and can also uh, generate some income for you. And I said to him, this sounds great, Bill. I said, what does it have to do with? And he said it had to do with weight loss. So I held up my hands and said, stay away. Because <laughs> at this point in my life, I was about 60 pounds overweight. I was working so hard and not taking care of myself that my health went on the back burner. So I, I, I adamantly told him, not interested. Who's going to listen to a chiropractor who's 60 pounds overweight? So... Time went on, and he was dripping on me here and there. Back then, I don't know if people even use these anymore, but I used to get fax, simil, you know, fax machine uh, little messages from him that he was having an information meeting. Why don't I come over? And he'd call my office you know, the day before to remind me. You know, it got to the point where you know, if a fax came, I said, just throw it out. I'm not interested. <laughs> so one of the things that I love is spending time with my youngest son, uh, who at the time was about eight years old, and I played basketball with him. We, we always had a lot of fun together and still do. And I came home one night to play, and all of a sudden, I started sweating a little bit more than I normally do. And I'll tell you, I felt like I was having a heart attack. So I had to stop. I had to sit down on the driveway and just think about telling an eight-year-old boy why daddy can't play anymore. So that was my big wake-up call. And the next day, I got on the phone. I called my friend Bill, who had offered this opportunity to me, you know, two dozen times over a year-and-a-half period. And I said, Bill, I'm ready to get started. And he's like, great, I'll come over. I'll talk with you how to talk to your patients, and it'll be, it'll be perfect, da 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 and I said, Bill, this is not for my patients. I said, I'm looking to do this myself. I need to get healthy and regain my health. So that was my focus. 
I wasn't. I didn't even really understand the business model because I, I didn't know anything about it. So Bill comes over, signs me up, and you know tells me that he's now my health coach. I'm like, well, what does that mean? He says, well, I'm going to call you. You know, I'm going to I'm going to interact with you, and I'm going to help you be successful on this program. And I said, okay. So what happened? Uh, the first week, I lost like 11 pounds, and now I'm like. You know, I'm going to go through this program of blinders on because for the first time in my life, I'm, I'm seeing success right away. So two weeks in, I'm down about, you know, about 14 or 15 pounds, and now patients, friends, family, coworkers are all saying to me, what are you doing? So, you know, I told them, and, you know, without really knowing what I was doing, and I called my coach, and I said, Bill, I've got people that want to do this. What, what, what do I tell them? He says, well, it's real easy. You'll tell them that you're their health coach, and, and I'll teach you how to get them started. So that was my start into the business, and it was very much front-end focused, helping people regain their health, which really fit very well uh, into my, you know, my profession of being a chiropractor. So here I was uh, helping people, more patients coming on board, friends coming on board, other colleagues. I'm getting calls from other health or other doctors in the community saying, what are you doing with our patients? You know, we've talked to them about diet and exercise for years. And I said, well, maybe that's the problem. You only, all you did was talk about it. I said, I'm helping them plug into something that's changing their lives. And now they wanted to get involved. So it started to just build like organically, because Richard, I did not know what I was doing at all. I, I had no clue. So in my mind, it was all about bringing people on and, and helping them and helping other people with influence, whether it be other doctors or people who, who had influence, uh, help their friends uh, get on board as well. Then um, I went to a meeting where there were other health coaches, and one gentleman, I'll never forget this day, um, he's one of the sweetest men in the world, and I'm still extremely good friends with both he and his wife, my friend Dominic. Um, he was this guy running a meeting. And at the end, he said, after this opportunity meeting, if anybody's here that needs someone to work with them on their business and move forward and, and grow it, come on up front when I'm done talking. And I so... I'm waiting for him to have the last word come out of his mouth. And when he was done, I was right in front of his face, six inches, and I said, Dominic, I've got my hand raised. I need help. And he said, I'm glad you asked. And that's when I first started getting into uh, a mentorship relationship with uh, someone in my upline. And that's when um, I started to realize what I had in my hands. And I started building um, the, the way that I feel was the way to build this, by, by helping people become coaches and, and really utilize leverage uh, and this wonderful opportunity of network marketing to really build and build and build. And Dominic, you know, I, I told him, I'm bringing on coaches left and right. Um, you know, I, I said, you know, I, when do I stop? And he said, I will call you when you have sponsored enough coaches in your business. 
And I don't know, Richard, that was eight years ago. I think he lost my phone number. <laughs> no, no, he's like Yoda. So that's like what um, started happening. And within a year and a half of doing this little part-time thing, you know, inside of my full-time chiropractic practice, I actually matched my income from my full-time job. So here, I, you know, I was like in shock, and I'm like, what do I do here? You know, I realized that my chiropractic practice was really holding me back from really building the Take Shape for Life business uh, of my dream. So I did both for a while, and I kind of did it because um, I remember Jim Rohn saying he held on to his full-time job because it was fun to tell people that I'm, I'm, you know, I'm making a living, you know, in my uh, full-time job, but my hobby is really becoming my career. <laughs> but eventually it got to be too much. One of the doctors in my office, Richard, said to me, you are never here. And so I said to him, Angelo, we could make it so I'm really never here if you want to purchase my practice. And he said, yes. We went out to lunch, made a deal, and that was it. And I left uh, my practice. I, I have not been back to that building, nor do I have a desire to. And the, the rest is history. I started um, just continuing along the path, building a team uh, to the point of where I am today, right now, sitting here, talking to you. Uh, Dominic, I just wanted to say that Dominic hasn't called you yet to tell you to stop enrolling. He's like Yoda. He's just sitting back with great wisdom waiting for you to personally sponsor enough people. But I, I want to give people uh, some stats because um, you've talked about your first year. You personally sponsored 72 health coaches. Well, those aren't customers. Those are distributors in your first year, and 30-something your second year, and it's been now seven and a half years, eight years. Is that right? Yeah, this, this is my eighth year. Eighth year, ladies and gentlemen. Ken has eight leadership legs, and how we define a leadership leg is eight legs that are driving deep on their own initiative so he doesn't have to drive those legs or babysit or support those people anymore. And he has over 35,000 health coaches in his business nationwide. And, you know, I let think... Me interrupt, board, let me just correct you on that, Richard. Um, I, in my organization, I have about 35,000 clients and coaches combined. Okay, got it. Okay, thank you for that correction. Very important. So, you know, once again, folks, uh, geometric progressions work, and that's how somebody becomes a multimillionaire in this business. Obviously, not everybody is a Dr. Ken. Most people aren't by a long stretch, but anybody can. And so, Ken, you left your chiropractic uh, business. You obviously have a you know a lot going on. Things are happening. So people are probably listening to this, thinking, "Well, gosh, I've been in my company for a year, and I've had a lot of success on my products. 
And I didn't personally sponsor 72 people in my first year. I sponsored seven or 17, and most of them quit. What would you say was your greatest strength? Like you've coached a lot of people, worked with a lot of people. What would you say the biggest asset you had, besides your product story, what was the biggest asset you had that had people listen to you, had people show up to the one-on-one appointment, had people believe you and get in action themselves? Could you speak to that? Yeah, that's an awesome question, Richard. Um, I could tell you that I believe my success, uh, of course I did have success on the program, but I truly believe it has to do with my passion uh, for what I do. I mean, when, when I talk to a group of people or if I talk to a single person, I am focused on them 200%. You know, I, I, when I'm in the room with somebody, there's 200 people around and I'm one-on-one with them. They're the only thing that matters to me at that time. So I, I believe my passion and my focus is what really drives uh, somebody to the table for me. And what I, what I really look to do when I'm with somebody is more of what I've learned and not too long ago is, is more about my curiosity-based prospecting. So I am, I am more interested in them then I'm more interested than I am interesting in a conversation. So being able to have people talk about themselves and dig deep into what they're all about, I I believe is a way to to grow a business with no boundaries at all, if that makes any sense. Yeah, so the curiosity uh, approach sounds familiar. Um, Tell us about passion. So, if I'm sitting out there and I'm one thinking, well, gosh, I'm, I guess I'm passionate about my product and program. I don't know. Am I passionate enough? How do you, you know, do you get a grade for passion? How do you quantify it? So people maybe have a sense of whether or not they're really passionate about what they're doing and they can express it. Where is your sense that your passion your belief, your motivation that you could do this and other people could do this as compared to somebody who gets in the business and most of the time they're thinking maybe they can't do it and maybe there are people that are going to sponsor won't be able to do it. Do you have, a, do you have any tips for people about it's, it's great to tell people to get motivated, to get passionate, but unless we tell them how to do that, they're kind of left to, you know, genetic uh, randomness. Where do you think your passion came from? Well, you know, there's so many uh, areas that I think my passion comes from. Um, one of the, the biggest things that I feel has created that passion uh, or just, uh, you know, I, I have to say that I, I, I'm determined, uh, you know, I, I, my, my passion really comes 
from, I believe, the people that I surround myself with and what I see in other people. I have always, always, always surrounded myself with the top people in our organization, Take Shape for Life. I wanted to know who the top people were, and here, here's this guy hanging out with them. They might say, who is this guy? But, you know, they get to know me, and, and I just want to be around other people that are excited about what they do because that gets me excited. And, you know, it, where, does it, where does this come from? I mean, events. I mean, to me, I am an event junkie. You know, I, I played golf today. One of the uh, people I was playing with um, was talking to me about different events, and I said, yeah, I've been, I've been with my company. It's the only company I've ever been with. And what um, I have actually done, um, I have never missed an event. I, I don't care how big, how small, if I have to drive, if I ride a bicycle, if I take a plane, I go to every event because it was an event that got me so passionate about this by, by listening to other people tell their stories. So, um, you know, like it's, it's the telltale story. You go to an event and you see the leaders up on stage, you know, and you look at them and you say, what's different between me and them? You know, and, and the only difference was time in the business in a, lot of, in a lot of these instances. So I know from being an entrepreneur, you put your time in, and you treat the business like a business, you're going to you know, reap the benefits of it. And, and the reason why I sponsored you know, like a lunatic in the beginning, and I still I, I'm still sponsoring, I try to sponsor two people a month uh, because I, I just love every aspect of this business. Uh, I love when, when just collecting a yes, someone who's going to share my information. I love being able to bring someone to a table to sit down with them. Each one of these steps is a victory to me. And it just, if you could see me now, you would see the smile from ear to ear. So that, that's what drives me. Um, and, you know, it, it also something that Jim Rohn said, you know, if you sow sparingly, you will reap sparingly. And I never, ever want to be in a position where I didn't push myself hard enough, and I never want to be able to look in a mirror and say it's your fault you didn't get where you could have, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Uh, well, that's really good stuff. I heard, like, um, you know, two good gems there. One you, you kind of glazed over but is really, really important. Like, find out who are the successful people in your company and tap into them, whether it's, you know, find them at events and go ask them to talk to you or get on their calls or listen to all their audios or videos. You know, if they got a blog, tap into their blog. Study everything the successful people in your company are doing. Just memorize it. Just immerse yourself in it. One of the uh, coaching tools that I have used over the years with people that are stuck you know, people that have been in a business a year or two and you sit down with them and say, you know, what's going on? Eh, you know, and they, you know, talk to them, but they talk to you about nobody wants to get in and all the people I sponsored quit and blah, blah, blah. And I just don't think I can do this. Uh, was to assign them to, okay, well, tell me who are the top five or six or seven people in your company? Who do you know that's really crushed it in your business? And 
and you know they either know these people or they can find out who they are. And the assignment is to track all of these people down, make an unreasonable, powerful request, even if you think you're a nobody, make a powerful request that you interview them. You, as a, an unbeliever, actually ask a successful leader if you can interview them. And I've never heard of somebody that's successful saying no to that request, even though it may be difficult to schedule. But if you if you track the, you know, five or ten of the most successful people down in your company and you make a request to interview them and you interview them for 30 minutes and the focus of your interview is how did you learn to believe, just like I'm asking Ken here, how did you learn to believe, how did you go approach the people where did you find people what did you say to people what did you do when people quit how did you get the motivation to keep going what i found is you know after five or ten interviews like that it's just like you said ken going to an event it's really difficult to go to a great event and walk away telling yourself this doesn't work because you, you immerse yourself in believers. You immerse yourself in people that are making it work, and, you know, they'll shift that conversation in your head for you. Those are two really good tips. Thank you for those. So eight years, probably had a lot of things happen in those eight years, learned a lot of great lessons. What's the biggest mistake you made in those eight years, either a one-time mistake or you made it over and over and over again? Oh, my goodness. Richard, I have a laundry list. <laughs> you got to um, pick one. Uh, uh, pick one. Okay. Um, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with two, but the first one um, I, I'm, I think is – one of the major things is that in the beginning, I was trying to make people successful. I wanted it so bad for them sometimes that they weren't even in the equation. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, um, you know, I, I worked, you know, tirelessly to help people when they didn't have their hand raised. And I might have not spent the right amount of time with somebody who did. And I, I think that was a major, major, major mistake. But, you know, you learn from your mistakes. Uh, you know, I make mistakes every week. And, you know, as long as you can learn something from it and move forward, make it a teachable moment for somebody else, you're ahead of the game. So I welcome mistakes. One of the... Um, one of the other things that I believe um, was getting out of my own way. I still have issues with that, as you probably know. Um, and what I mean by that is, is just being coachable and teachable. You know, I, I come from a background where I, I hadn't had any failure in any business I've ever been in. And I, I, I thought I would, once I started to do well with this, I, and I realized this was my passion and my focus, I, want, I, I thought I knew it all. Uh, and I wanted to apply what I knew from other business models to this business model. And it didn't work. And I was very, very frustrated. I, you know, I was building, 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 and building. 
And I called Dominic. I'm telling you, I called him seven to ten times a day. And finally, uh, the conversation that I had with him, when I told him, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm, he said to me, listen, all I hear about is what you are doing. You have to turn the focus around, and you have to be the person that your people need. This isn't about you. And that was my big aha moment. And I, I remember it as if it was yesterday. And from that point on, I started pouring myself out to the people that wanted help, and I just became focused on helping people achieve their goals, and that's when my success truly happened in this, in this business model. So uh, when you said a big mistake was to spending time with people that didn't want it for themselves as much as you wanted it for them, how, how did that turn out? to be a mistake, spending too much time with people who they weren't really in it, it was all you, and how did it turn out to be a mistake? Well, I'll just focus on that. How did it turn out to be a mistake? What is the mistake of, of trying to drive people that don't have the same commitment and passion for it as you do? Well, you know, I, I think, Richard, this is, this is like an amazing question. I, you know, I think there's a number of facets to this question. Number one, uh, I think it would also have to do with understanding their why from day one and helping them uh, clarify their why and, and me understanding it. And not that you, your, your why can't evolve, but, you know, if, if a, a leader or a mentor doesn't understand what somebody wants out of something, you know, you could, uh, you know, wheelbarrow, you know, truckloads of whatever they want in front of them, and it's not going to, it's going to fall on deaf ears uh, because you're not tapping into their intrinsic motivation. So to me, um, you know, understanding someone's intrinsic motivation is going to make it so you understand where it is that they want to go. Uh, but when I, when I was working with people, tirelessly getting nowhere, banging my head against the wall while I had a team of people that were saying, hey, over here. You know, it's like, um, you know, it's like Gronkowski on the Patriots in the end zone saying, just throw it. If you just throw it my way, I'm getting it. <laughs> um, you know, I just, I just felt like the time that I was spending with people that weren't focused and weren't motivated or didn't have the mojo or whatever it is you want to call it, it took the time away for me to really focus. And it dragged me down, uh, although it's hard to drag me down because when I'm done with one phone call, it's gone, I'm over, I'm ready for the next thing. But still, the, that bit of negative uh, input, you know, is not good for anybody. So what I have, what I really focus on now is, people who have their hand raised that really want to move with it. But you still have to discern with that group who really needs it. So, you know, there's so much involved with this. And if I haven't, if I didn't dive into personal development and growing as an individual myself, I don't think I ever would have realized that I was spinning my wheels and not focusing where I had to. And also sharing, you know, that growth with people as well. Because even successful people, 
can reach a certain level and they feel like they're they're not going forward. They're 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 doing the same. They're doing the do, but nothing's happening. And you know, this is another area where you try to open up the world of personal development to them and and understanding that it takes time. Um, one of the books that I've read that I love, uh, Outliers by um, Malcolm Gladwell, he talks about the 10,000 hours that you have to put into something uh, to really uh, perfect it. And it takes about 10 years to accomplish that. Um, and here I am, eight years, so I've got another two years to, to really start to, to grow in, in that realm, and I'm excited about it. But it was really all of this, all of the reading, all the personal development, all of the seminars, the lectures that I go to that have turned me around to, to notice where my attention needs to be and to work smart, if that, if that clears it up a little bit. Yep. Um, so I want to follow up on that, uh, which I'll let you ponder for a second. When you, you, know, you talk about personal development, if I was sitting out there, I'd want to know, well, what does he do? What, you go to all these seminars and read all these books. Like, can you give people some specific things, specific seminars you've gone to, specific books you've read that have made a difference? Hit that one first, and then I'll ask you the follow-up question. Um, well, some of the things that I've done... Um, and you know, not to um, not to pat you on the back, but I will. Um, I've I've gone to two uh, vision workshops um, that you ran that were eye-opening for me uh, to be able to hone in on my vision and be able to know that I'm using the industry or the business to achieve my personal vision and my personal goals, uh, that was a big, big uh, wake up for me. Um, another, some of the books that I've read, I mean, are I think the typical books that, that people in our industry read, you know, Think and Grow Rich, um, the, um, the Greatest Salesman in the World, I, I love that. Um, you know, again, uh, Outliers by uh, Malcolm Gladwell, um, Geez, there's been so many um, that I've read. Um, okay, that's good. Uh, there, that's, yeah, there's, you know, there's, there's a ton of them. So stuff will come to you uh, probably before the call's over, specific stuff. So go ahead and add it in because I think that would be valuable for people to know what you've done. And so I don't know the answer to this. Maybe the answer is no. But in eight years, have you had what you might call a business tragedy in your organization, like somebody you put a lot of time and energy into that quit, or maybe some product issue, or a big comp plan change, or something that really rocked your organization to its core, and if you have had something like that, how'd you get through it? Um, you come up with some good questions, I tell you. <laughs> um, well, you know, I've had um, a couple of the things that have rocked me as a person. I, you know, I, um, I haven't had anything really that, you know, compensation plans, compensation plans change. You, you know, you just got to roll with them and figure out how to make it work better for you. Um, well, stop, stop personally, there. Stop there, Ken. 
stop there, Ken, because that's really significant. Because comp plan changes, they they knock a lot of people out of the business just to change. And you know, I guess distributors don't realize that you know if you're in a company long enough, your plan's going to change for sure. It's a living, breathing organism that must adapt to the times and the competitive environment and the legal environment, and it's going to change. And if you're inflexible around that, see, you didn't, you didn't describe that as a huge hit to your group, as a huge setback. For you, that was like nothing. And that's a really valuable attitude so that your group is not affected and your momentum is not affected. But go ahead, personally, something happened? Yeah, personally, uh, something happened. I, um, I, and this happened in two legs of my business, and it's health-related. Um, you know, I, I have a, a team that I've become very, very close with, uh, and uh, they're both uh, physicians. And one of uh, one day, one of the physicians, their husband and wife uh, team, and they worked in the same office together. And one says, "Hey, I'm going to uh, to see this ENT because I've had a you know uh, my my sore throat isn't going away." And he comes back after lunch and goes into his wife's office in the same office there and says, um, "I have cancer." And uh, it was a, a very serious. Um, form of, of cancer, and I was very, very close with these people. I don't know how many friends, you know, they have in their community, um, but they reached out to me, um, and it was, it, it tore my heart out. I mean, I, you know, I, I'm so, I get very close with the people that I work with, and he was like a brother to me, and he's still around, which is a good thing, um, but um, the, what happened to him was so unfortunate uh, that he had to have a portion of his tongue removed, his speech was gone, and this is one of the most super intelligent guys that you can ever want to know, the nicest, passionate guy, and he was not able to speak clearly anymore, and because of his, um, his speech being garbled, he felt that people looked at him as if he was ignorant. And he kind of walked away from a huge, huge business that they had built very, very successfully. And, you know, um, it, it just hurt. Um, it really pulled, you know, pulled me, pulled my focus away. You know, I was on the phone with them, you know, visiting with them. It was just a, that's the only negative thing that has happened in my business. Um, and, I, you know, and I still... You know, it's just unfortunate uh, the, the way things happen. It was one of the biggest legs of my business, and um, and you know, how did you get? How did you get? How did you get through it? How did you lead through it? Well, um, I went up there. I sat with them, and I said uh, to the wife, "I said, listen, uh, we built this business together as a team." And I understand where Paul's at. Um, you know, there he's, you know, on disability now, and all this. And I said, let's let's rise to the occasion here, and and let's 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 do it. Let's just do this together. I'll be here to help you. I'll, you know, I'll work with you and your team, and and we'll get through this, and we'll we'll be stronger for it when we're done. 
And we did that. Uh, and, you know, it, it brought us closer together. Uh, however, you know, unfortunately, you know, they're not the business builders that they were, but we got through it. Uh, and it was, a, it was a big, big life lesson because here you can have everything. Uh, their children are always, they, all their children graduated at the top of their class, brilliant people, very warm people. Um, and we got through it. We got past it. And I feel that our relationship is a lot better as a result. Beautiful. All right. So next place I want to take you is you are a prolific prospector, and you talked earlier about curiosity prospecting, like really drilling in on people and being what I would call being present to people and really listening like they're the only one in the room or the only one in the world in that moment. I think one of the questions that, that everybody has that's looking to have the kind of success that you have had is where do you find people worth talking to and how do you how do you connect with them I mean you've been in the business eight years I suppose you've already talked to everyone you know uh, do you follow up on people that say no and do they eventually get in or do you spend all your time talking to strangers where do you get your sp sponsoring two people a month that means you're probably presenting to four or five which means you're probably inviting 10 15 20 people a month where are you getting these people well that's a great question uh, multifaceted question as usual um, well yeah, I have spoken to everybody I personally know, I, I think. But, you know, I do, uh, I still create a contact list every couple of months because there's people that slip out of your mind for, for years and come back in. Um, but one of the things that I have found is that the best person to speak to is somebody who said no to you three months ago, six months ago, a year ago. Um, and the reason I feel that way is because they listen to you, you've talked with them, you've built a dialogue, you've built a rapport with them, and they know what you're about. So the validation is there already. You're totally validated with these people. And when someone says no, I don't believe they're saying no. I just believe they might not be ready at that point or they didn't hear it the way they needed to hear it. So a, a point in case, I just um, – I just had, got a Facebook message um, last week from a gal who was a former patient of mine. Uh, she's a professor um, at one of the local colleges. Six years of dripping on her. She's, uh, she teaches um, a wellness class, and I volunteer to come in and do talks to her students on weight loss and wellness. You know, and I just did that and left. You know, and then, you know, we did our little interaction here and there. How's everything going? And last week, after six years, she says to me, Dr. Ken, I'm ready. What's the true income opportunity here? I'm ready to walk away from my job. And I was like, yes. <laughs> um, you know, because persistence. I mean, you look up persistence in the dictionary, amongst a lot of us, you're going to see my picture there. I am like the Energizer Bunny. I don't forget people, and I will revisit people over and over. And 
I might not talk to them about the business opportunity or my success, but I'll talk to them about what's going on in their life, where they're at, how things on your job. You know, so many people are unhappy with their job that they just go to it every day. You know, so to me, um, following up is key and having some type of connections, uh, whether it's an email, a tickler system, a file folder system, whatever it is that you do, um, I am a firm believer in, in just building relationships. It doesn't have to be somebody who's in your business. And this was a perfect, perfect example. And then when I said to her, because then I moved it right to the phone, I said to her, Tara, um, if you remember, if, you know, if you're interested, if it's the income you're talking about, remember, I walked away from a very successful practice to pursue this because my practice was holding me back with the potential I had with this business. So we you know, met, got her on board, and, and now I'm psyched to help her you know, build. But um, where do I meet people? You know, this is a crazy question or a, or a response when people say to you, I've talked to everybody, there's nobody else. Uh, that, you know, it's like you want to take a knife and stick it in yourself and turn it because you feel like you haven't taught anybody anything if they say that to you. Because I meet people everywhere, uh, whether I'm on an airplane, whether I'm online at Starbucks, um, you know, at uh, the dry cleaner. Um, the only person I had trouble talking with was the trip that I'm on now uh, was an Asian lady who was like in her 80s sitting next to me, and she instantly sat down next to me and put a blanket over her head. <laughs> So I'm like, how am I gonna, how am I gonna talk to her? So I'm like, well, I'm on the inside seat, and I do have to go to the bathroom. So I had to get her to take the thing off her head so I can get through. And I said hello, and you know, I didn't even understand what she said back to me. So there was, you know, I'm like, can I show her pictures? <laughs> so you know, I don't leave any rock unturned. It's and and also, it's not that I get up in the morning and I get on my motorcycle or I get in my car or I go jogging, or I go to the gym, and I'm like, okay, what tool am I going to bring with me? Because today is, is, you know, network marketing day. You know, it's just that I'm on all the time. If, if the situation is there and I recognize it, I'm going to say some very, very simple things to somebody. And the first thing, this is a big concept, Richard, the first thing I always say is, hey, how you doing? Or hello. And then, what's your name? Once you, once you know somebody's name, people like to hear their name repeated you know, continually in a conversation. And then, it's all about curiosity-based questions. I don't know what the question's going to be, uh, but I'll ask a question, I wait for a response, and then I ask another question. And it's all me on a fact-finding mission, and it's another person having somebody say, yeah, keep going, keep going. Because most of the time, and I've been guilty of this myself, uh, most of the time you ask a question or you're waiting for someone to answer and you're not even listening because you want to ask the key question. Well, with this curiosity-based prospecting, if that's what you want to call it, there is no dialogue. There is no scripting. And I love, I love, love, love the opportunity to get to let somebody talk about themselves because it's always going to come back to what is it that you do? And so there's never, 
going to be an opportunity where you can't meet a stranger and, and just say something. Even in a supermarket, you can be, and you know, I go shopping and I'm looking for celery and I can't find the celery. So, you know, I know that there's three women next to me and I'm like, okay, I said, can you three ladies help the guy out in the supermarket? I can't find celery. <laughs> and uh, right away, one of them walks me over to where she just got hers and we start talking. You know, so there's no way that you cannot build a business and build relationships if you just say hello to people. So that means you've got to get out of your house sometimes. That's the only drawback. <laughs> you know, uh, you've got to tell this funny story you told me today on the golf course. I think one of the gifts you have, uh, Ken, is you are a happy, generous person. Like you really do enjoy people and you enjoy life. <clears throat> and you're a happy guy and you're laughing a lot. And, you know, it's kind of hard to be put off by someone who's laughing. You know, people who are laughing and having fun are attractive. They're not unattractive. And I can just imagine you, uh, you know, asking somebody in the grocery store where the celery is, and then we hear this trademark laugh, right? Because you just Absolutely. think it's funny. You, you think it's funny that you can't find the celery. And so tell people the story, because uh, I think this is like a valuable story around authenticity and, and going with your gifts. And, you know, even if maybe some people think your gifts or your authenticity is not appropriate or it's not popular or it's not valuable, you know, other people's opinions are maybe really valuable to ignore when it comes to authenticity. Tell people, tell people the story about your laugh that you told me today. It's, okay, it's well, I, I, you know, I've had this laugh, I guess. Uh, it came with me, you know. I, uh, it's part of me. As, as a matter of fact, uh, just a tiny side note, uh, my sister has the same exact laugh. And one of, the, one of the leaders in our organization was at an event out in California and my sister was standing near him, and they didn't know each other. And my sister started laughing, and the guy turns around and says, you must be Ken Kochman's sister. <laughs> <laughs> but, but what happened, what we were talking about today, I, I, when I first um, got out of uh, college, which was not a very successful endeavor for me, I took a, a summer job um, as a telemarketer. And the boss, of this telemarketing company sat at a desk right in front of me. And I'd be sitting there on the phone. I never hung up the phone. You know, I would just press the button and just get a new line and keep dialing, dialing, dialing. And he, he said to me, um, he says, Ken, he says, I'm going to tell you right now, you will never be successful with that laugh. He said, you sound like a seal or some type of sea animal. <laughs> and he says, as soon as you laugh, your credibility goes out the window. And I'm like, gee, I, you know, I was like, you got to be kidding me, you know. I, and you know, to me, you know, I was like, I, you know, I don't even know when I'm laughing. It's just part of me. So 
um, one thing led to another. I wound up leaving that company, going to another company, and finally starting my own uh, telemarketing company. And about six years later, I get this phone call, and this guy had the most distinctive voice. It, you know, it was it was a real grumbly, rocky voice. And I pick up the phone, and he's like, "Teddy," and I said, "Who is this?" He says, "It's Mel." He says, "I'm in your parking lot." I want to come in and talk with you about a job. <laughs> so I held the phone up, and I looked at the phone, and I said, you've got to be kidding me to myself. And I held it far enough away, and I just started laughing. <laughs> and then I just put the phone back on the receiver. And uh, I was like, here's, here's the guy who said to me I would never be successful with my laugh, and now he's calling me for a job. I mean, how ironic is that? Uh, I just thought that it was hysterical. You laughed at him, and then you hung up. That had to be a good lesson exactly. for him. <laughs> All right, so as we wrap this up, Ken, um, I want you to just think, like, bear down, talk to the people that are out there somewhere in the world, either tonight or maybe they're listening to this a year from now or five years from now, driving their car somewhere, they're in some company, they're, you know, obviously if they're doing well, they don't necessarily need to hear from anybody. So let's just imagine they're not doing well, they're stuck, they're struggling, they just don't know how to get themselves out there to make this work. They they're, they're having this conversation about, you know, everybody I sponsor quits or, you know, what if I talk to this person and they say no or, you know, who am I to be successful and take advantage of geometric progressions and who am I to make this business work? What would you say to these people to thump their bowl, to knock them off this conversation that's keeping them stuck and inspire and lift them up and empower them to believe they can do it, and I know it's more than just telling them they can do it, what would you say to them? Well, you know, first off, I mean, what you're, what you're totally describing is red light thinking. And, you know, to me, it's, it's helping somebody turn red lights into green lights. And, and how do you do that? Well, you know, first of all, um, one of the things that, that I've learned is that people aren't joining companies. You know, there are so many companies out there. You know, on this call tonight, there could be 50, 100 different companies out there. And, you know, is it the company? Is it the, is it the you know, the products? You know, what is it that somebody comes, comes to you for? And if you really think about it, they're, they're interested in you. They want to have what you have. So if you're portraying, um, you know, the person that, you know, I, I bring in 10 people, nine people go, one person stays, and then they eventually go. You know, you're, you're painting a bad picture. So what you need to understand is that you have friends. Why are your friends friends with you? Because they like you. They like what you have to offer. So remember, it's, it's what you offer as a person. It's not necessarily what your company is offering. I, I think that's one thing. Um, another, another thing that I feel is, is huge is following the system that your mentor or your business model has. Don't try and reinvent the wheel. I mean, 
and, and you know what? You might not, the person who sponsored you might not be the person that introduces you to that system. It might not be the person that you gel with uh, down the road that's going to help you get to where it is that you need to be. So to me, you know, dig deep. You know, look in your, in your support line and, and meet them. Be around those people and find a person that you gel with. And, and say hello to that person. Let them know, I'm in your business, and I want, I want to follow the system. Can you take me through the system? You know, this, every organization has systems in order that you can follow and move forward. And, you know, even with that said, Richard, you know, I follow, I follow systems. Uh, we, we're very big on, on step A, step B, step C. However, um, if you think about it, and we've had this conversation, a self-motivated individual, a self-motivated individual, leaders of organizations, sometimes they don't need anything. You know, all of a sudden it's like, boom, they're on a rocket ship, you know, to, you know, to a pin level that doesn't even exist yet. <laughs> um, but being passionate about your offering and falling in love with the process of inviting people to hear what it is that you have to offer will turn your life around 180 degrees. Uh, to me, those are things that, that drive you. They, they have you continuing to better yourself. And, and to me, a reflection of, of my success is being able to help other people be successful. So all of these things are part of the formula that, that I steep myself into. And, and again, uh, bringing back in um, the, the personal growth model, um, you know, From Good to Great by Jim Collins. Um, you know, so, so many of these things um, are, are just so pivotal. You might, you might see something, you might hear something at an event, Someone will say to me, oh, I went to that event last year. I said, well, that's great. So that you know you need to be there again this year. Well, isn't they, aren't they going to be saying the same thing? I said, you might hear similar things, but you might hear something from another person, something different. And, and then I'd let them know that in eight years, I have never missed an event because the next event is the best event. And you might hear something that somebody says like what you mentioned about a comp plan change. You know, when, when we had a, a change uh, a few years back, and everybody's like, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? And then a, uh, someone who I look up to greatly, um, a good friend of mine, Terry, uh, in our organization, she was a former Mary Kay lady. She said the comp plan changed 15 times when she was there, and she didn't even care, you know? <laughs> so all of, these, all of these things that I'm talking about are you turning inside yourself and turning red lights into green lights and knowing that every time someone says no, it's just getting you that much closer to the person that's going to say yes. And I saw that in my first mentor in this business, Dominic. Dominic is like, this guy goes out, this guy still does cold calling. Um, and he had a nice-sized business. But he was, he was struggling. He wasn't reaching where it was that he felt he could be. And he hit the ground every day, relentless, the same thing, day in, day out. Didn't matter how he felt when he got up. 
He did it every day no matter what. And within a three-month period, he brought into his business four people that, uh, me being one of them, who are at the top of the food chain in our organization. So if that guy gave up after that period of time and said, hey, you know what, this just isn't doing it, we'll we'll stay where we are, I'm I'm, I'm done doing this cold calling, going out looking for people, he never would have met the four of us that are four strong, strong leadership legs in his business. So it's persistence, it's turning inside and letting the world know you're confident and that just shows up every day when you smile and laugh with somebody. Beautiful. That was very, very well said, Dr. Ken. Hey, we're one minute over, so we're going to wrap this up. Ken, that was uh, really enlightening and powerful, and can't wait to check in on you in a few years and see what, what kind of epic story you have carried on. Thank you so much for being part of the Hero Call. Thank all of you for joining us tonight all over the world, and Rob and Korea. Good night, everyone. Thank you, Richard. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Richard Bliss Brooks Network Marketing Heroes Podcast. For more invaluable training tools, such as audios, videos, and of course his best-selling books, The Four-Year Career, and Mach 2 with Your Hair on Fire, head to blissbusiness.com. For 10% off your order, use discount code HERO at checkout. If you're serious about building your business, make sure to subscribe to Richard's blog for all the latest tools and articles. 